0: The Big Picture: A Christian insight into the world of movies, television, and pop culture, with magazine editor Ben McKechnie and scriptwriter Mark Hadley. A Bible Society Australia production, sharing the light of God's word into every corner of your world. Hip hip hooray! I'm Ben McKechnie, and
1: I'm his age-old friend Mark Hadley. Welcome to episode one hundred of the Big Picture for the week beginning March twenty-seven. Happy birthday to us! And coming up on today's show, we take a look back at some of the highlights and lessons learned from our 100 shows. And we take a look forward to some of the biggest movies coming out this week and next, Power Rangers Life and the Batman Lego Movie.
0: And hello, Sam! Happy birthday to Yay, you, big Happy picture friend! One hundred, and we don't look a day over ninety-nine episodes. Well, we've only been here for about twenty, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah, so been here about yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm just jumping in on the celebrations. Yeah, well, <laughs> okay, you okay. came at the right. right time. It's like That's a right. party crasher. Right? Yeah, I don't exactly. <laughs> yeah. Come late. Talking about party crashes, Russ Matthews hey, hey. here. Crash.
1: This is I actually for our hundredth birthday show, we thought we'd have a hundred special guests, all represented <laughs> in one by one resident American. So exactly. Russ exactly. will be switching. Is it because they look
2: hundred. You'll just
1: it? be switching accents all through the show. <laughs> oh, good night, mate. <laughs> all all right.
3: Oh, man.
0: except for <laughs> good that start. one. start.
3: <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Russ. Enough celebrations. Let's get into what's happening at the cinema. Ben McKechnie,
0: what's out this week? Opening. What opened at cinemas last week was Beauty and the Beast. Been much talk about this, including us on the show last week. Go to thebigpicturewebsite.com for our thoughts on Beauty and the Beast, the Disney remake of itself. Also opening at cinemas, but this Thursday, is another remake of a much different sort from an animated original, but a film of a much different <laughs> kettle of fish, Ghost in the Shell. <laughs> that's so a if, nice link between you, Beauty and the Beast right. and Ghost in the Shell. I think it's the Nation. only time Beauty and the Beast and Ghost in the Shell have been mentioned in the same sentence. So, and, and fans of Beauty and the Beast won't be lining up to see a remake of a hardcore Japanese animation film which it has philosophy and violence and weirdness all combined. Because that's what Ghost in the Shell basically is. But now it's live action starring Scarlett Johansson. It's got something to do with her being, uh, you know, like an agent who's looking for a mysterious hacker called the Puppet Master and then Weirdness in Shoes, Ghost in the Shell. I think we'll be talking about that on the show next week. <laughs>
1: we are. I'm looking forward to that one. Um, look, do you remember the uh, film The Best Exotic Marigold Hotel? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh, I okay. mean, sorry, yes. sorry. a big shake yes, of the I head. You. It was a huge film. Because miscast- we're 100 now, so yes, we love okay. movies like that. Okay. Well, um, <laughs> there was actually a documentary done about called The Indian Dream Hotel, and they took uh, one of the stars, Miriam Margulies, and a bunch of other people, and said, okay, look, can you actually live in India as an elderly person, and what would you do? Okay. So, it was mm. a documentary. And now they've taken that on the road,
2: that whole <laughs> on conversation.
4: The so yeah, so yep,
1: there's more. It's called The Indian Dream Hotel on Tour, and the first episode is Japan Bigger Japan It's on the ABC this Tuesday at 8.30pm Can you survive as an elderly person in Japan? I believe we're just going to country hop from here It's an interesting idea so you know you can go have a look at that Also this week, uh, Life in Pieces, the first season of that, starts up on March 30 on Netflix. And this is an American sitcom that chronicles the lives of three generations of the Short family as they go about their daily lives. Now, here's the interesting twist to it. It's the same story told four times every episode, but from a different person's perspective. It's a comedy. Looks interesting, if only to see how they managed to do it as a script. So check it out on March 30.
0: And some entertainment news. Gentlemen, remember Rob Lowe,
1: who nope. was massive in oh, the Come on, on,
0: come on. on. St. Yeah.
4: Almost Fire. There you go. <laughs> there he was go. in
0: movies in the 80s like St. Almost Fire and plenty of others. And he's recently been better known for TV shows like The West Wing and Parks and Recreation. But he's turning up in a new reality TV show called The Low Files, where he and his oh. sons, oh, Johnny no. and Matthew, hit the road to seek the truth <laughs> behind some of Australia's spookiest urban legends. <laughs> wow. Everything so I just kidding. said was true. That's true. Oh, Low Files is coming, a nine-episode series. The Low Files.
2: Oh, I don't believe that. That's Happy crazy.
4: birthday to
0: us. <laughs>
2: <laughs> We're going to a whole new low. Okay. Well, oh.
1: Oh. well actually, there's no jokes uh, associated with this one. This is a really interesting development as far as TV is concerned. Uh, Julia will be making her debut in Sesame Street. She's a small orange puppet, and she is the first autistic character who will hmm. be added to the screen. So she makes her debut on Sesame Street in a bid to reduce the stigma surrounding Disability. Uh, in the US, actually, one in 68 kids are diagnosed on the autism spectrum. And so the show's developers thought, look, you know, this is time for us to take this seriously, and basically give a whole after a lot of years of consultation of working out this first disabled character, Sesame Street now has someone who's not uh, got a condition on the edge of the show that everybody is pitying or you know concerned about, but is actually just one of the gang with everybody else. I think it's a brilliant move forward. That's a great idea.
3: Excellent. Well, for our hundredth birthday special, we thought we would share some hundred facts.
1: Before we do, do we have a small piece of entertainment news? We do. News?
3: Actually, we do have a bit of entertainment news uh, to do with one of our members in this
1: It's room. true. As I understand it, Ben is turning 100.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's why he shaves his head. Let's be yeah. honest, people. It's not because it looks good. It's just because it hides all the grey. Uh, and for this special occasion, we are going to present him with his very own birthday cake. Yes. So here we go. It's your
3: birthday today.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. oh, not 100. So I have a cake oh. with uh, uh, Lego Batman on top. You'd wow. Be... That's way better than the low files. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. This is true. Today is my birthday, which I engineered specifically so we could turn 100 on exactly the same day I'm 41. Yes. Excellent. Two years ago when we began this process. <laughs> that's right. Thank you very much, gentlemen.
3: So uh, we don't have time to cut up the cake till the next break. So no, we'll, put we'll it mash it Okay,
0: Okay. But what we do have time for, though, is to talk about 100 facts. Not actually we're going to talk about a few facts to do with 100 such as Mark yes um, let's begin with in terms of our 100 facts to celebrate our
1: 100 show the actor worth 100 million dollars now mm. I mean do you know who it is that you have to pay 100 million dollars to have f- having a film these days well even though they don't have a complete plot script effects or direction yet the Avengers do have a billion dollar budget to blow on the next two films uh, of which <laughs> 200 million is going to be given to Robert Downey Jr. just to appear.
4: Wow. Okay, Whoa. so that's it.
1: That's right. Iron Man is worth a hundred million dollars a film for the Avengers: Infinity Wars Part One and Two. Um, I maybe he just wants his own suit.
3: That's, that's nearly <laughs> as much as Russ Matthews charged for being here today. Yeah, we
1: we'll, we'll have to discuss that later. Which is, is why the contract. cake is a lot smaller than we thought it was going <laughs> to be. All Russ.
0: right. So what film is at number one on American Film Institute's 100 best films list? Russ, you're American, you must know. Shawshank Redemption. No, mate, it's Citizen Kane. Oh, is it Citizen was Kane? That? You <laughs> failed. <94, laughs> 1941, Citizen Kane. Since 1998, I'm is, to it is be It has been number one on American Film Institute's 100 best films of all time list since 1998. It's been claimed. Named as that. Oh wow! Don't worry, Russ. I'm going to give you another go. Oh, great.
1: <laughs> um, in terms of the American Film Institute's 100 best films, which film is at 100? <laughs> okay. Oh wow! Uh, the Muppet Movie.
4: No, but close. That's a
1: great guess. Close. It's Yankee Doodle Dandy. <laughs> actually, it's not. It used to be Yankee Doodle Dandy right up until a couple of years ago when it was replaced by Ben-Hur. Oh, wow. I know. So the 1959 version, uh, version of Ben-Hur actually plummeted 28 places in one year. I think it's because the new the ben came out. <laughs> the, it plummeted 28 places down to
0: 100, and Yankee Doodle Dandy actually went up. So I don't know. That's now at 98. Who knows? Feeling okay. patriotic, I guess. Gentlemen, first movie to take more than $100 million at the box office? Answer. Um, uh, uh, Harry Potter? Oh, close. Jaws in 1975. <laughs> It it, because Star Wars was out yeah, in 1977, Wars, yeah. and yeah, yeah, it was a massive yeah. oh. blockbuster. Only two years after Jaws became pretty much the first blockbuster of all time, directed by Steven Spielberg, first film ever to make more than 100 million dollars at the box mm-hmm. office. Well done, Steven Spielberg. There, well there done. Well done indeed. And the Hollywood Repo- R- would report as
1: 100 best movie quote. Are you going to list them all? Well, yes. I, <laughs> very everyone. <gasps> okay, we can, I'll just take a deep breath now. Actually, the number one quote. Of all time, according to Hollywood Reporter's 100 best movie quotes of all time, is delivered by, of course, Clark Gable to Vivian yeah. Leigh oh, in the 1939 oh, *Gone with the Wind*. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. What is the 100th quote out of that list? The Something li- from *Yankee Doodle Dandy*. It's yes, in one. No, it's not actually. Uh, it's in, it's from *Love Story*. It's love means never having to say you're sorry. Uh, No
2: no wonder it's at 100 I had to say that to Sam this morning Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sorry Sam (laughs) Uh,
0: And very quickly This isn't a fact but it will be Because it's a future fact This is a prediction of what will definitely come true Very very soon gentlemen The actor or actress that will be best At the 100th Academy Awards Which is in about by my calculations, what like twenty one years time or something like that. It's 20, a, it like, yeah. 13. Okay. What? <laughs> who who is going to win the 100th best actress award? That will go to Anguri Rice, the Australian actress who was in the Nice Guys, Jasper Jones, and is coming up soon in the Spider Man Homecoming. She'll be 27. She'll definitely win because she's pretty great.
1: Yeah, sure. And Chris, Australian future Meryl
0: Streep and Chris Pratt. <laughs> Is going to win in 2028. <laughs> wow. The funny, amiable star of Guardians of the Galaxy and Jurassic Park is going to do that serious change like Tom Hanks and, and Jim Carrey have done. Oscar 2028, Chris Pratt. Sure, Redemption 2.
2: That's what it will be so doing. So come back in 13 years.
0: And right? the franchise most likely to hit
1: 100. This is my not a fact but my prediction. Okay, producers say fast and the, My producer actually said it's going to be Fast and the Furious and then groaned. But no, it's not. Obviously, whatever film who makes 100 titles is going to have to be one in which characters won't age. Okay, it's going to have to be one that pleases multiple generations. It's going to have nostalgia and built-in toy franchises. It's going to have to boast significant special effects that keep up with technology. What is it going is it going to be Star Wars? No, it's not. It's going to be because it's also going to have to marry up with the fact that Hollywood is incredibly stupid. Okay, so <laughs> it's going to be the Smurfs. I believe that we're going to have a hundred <sighs> Smurf films right through to the end. And I I'll hope, be there for all.
3: I hope I that's, that's not, not a Legos, fact. Legos, I hope
2: that's not a fact. <laughs> yes, yeah, <so> please note. <laughs> all
3: right, there's a lot of hundred facts, but we need to get to our first review for today, and we are talking about possibly, I think it is, the most influential children's television show to ever grace a small screen. Do you know what it is, lads?
1: Yes, Sesame Street.
3: No, it is the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Oh, and you even brought you in a time. Power Rangers wow. figure. I did. Russ Matthews got me this for my birthday over the weekend. Thank you, Russ, the Yellow Ranger. It's your birthday. Happy birthday, Sam. Yeah, yeah it yeah, is. It was your
2: birthday.
3: Um, no, no, it is Mighty Morphin Power Rangers from the 1990s, which um, most Academy Award uh, winners owe some debt to, apparently, especially the, uh, <laughs> really? the Yellow Ranger.
1: Yellow Ranger. No, let's be. on performance is a
2: derivative of the yeah. Power Rangers. Well, this Forget week, Kevin Bacon, it's all about the Power Rangers. Right?
3: <laughs> this week, around my 30th birthday, my childhood dreams came true and Power Rangers, the $100 million feature film for a new generation, has finally hit the big screen. And Mark got to go along to see it and no doubt discovered how truly worthy it is.
1: Do you feel weird? We're strong. I'm saying these The
2: answer to what is happening to you is here, you five are the Power Rangers. Did I just hear you say we're Power Rangers?
0: Is this some kind of joke? We're talking to a wall.
1: I
3: was kind of expecting a little more.
1: I love that quote. Is this some kind of joke? It says so much about the film. Okay, look. My dreams are
3: shattering.
1: Five teens united only by the fact that they've all failed to live up to the expectations of everyone around them discover the wreck of an alien spacecraft together in a quarry on the edge of Middle America's Angel Grove and they all turn into Power Rangers and fight nasty beasts from outer space. Uh, Look, it is everything the television series was so if you really, really
0: love the television series, Sam, you're going to be really, really happy. But do you Do you think it's actually holding up? Are these new heroes for a new generation, Mark? Honestly, I don't know who they had in mind for this film.
1: Now, look, I don't want to say... Sam.
0: <laughs> <It's> <laughs> apart from Sam.
1: And if Sam actually buys 100 million tickets, he'll be okay. It <laughs> could the, happen. The problem, the problem is that um, it's not for kids, okay? It's quite a serious teen film. There's a lot of issues in it. It's weaving in backstory. Uh, it, it's, it's got stuff like sexting in it and teenage rebellion. There's even a hint of self-harm, a token mention of gender confusion. So it's really quite serious as far as teens are concerned. Mm. But yep. I don't think teens are going to stick with with it, okay, because I just don't think it's very teeny. It, it actually kind of gets, it kind of jumps the tracks halfway through.
0: Right, so unlike Sam Robinson, sounds like you're not a fan. Well, it was much better than I expected, okay? Oh. But,
1: but <laughs> oh, okay. my bar was pretty low going in. But I've got to say that I was kind of pleased by the first hour of the film. It's kind of like Chronicle. If you liked Chronicle, which is another film about teenagers suddenly getting their superpowers, it is really quite much, much more thoughtful than I thought it was going to be. But halfway through, the film kind of turns into telemovie, and they start... <gasps> playing the soundtrack and, and 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 they do Go Power Ranger. Oh. every sort of cartoon cliche gets pumped into That's the film. the show Mark
3: Hadley I know but
1: the point is that you can't do half of it like uh, as a serious thoughtful examination of teen struggles and then expect that morphing into a power suit and, and doing high kicks and things like that is somehow going to carry the rest of the show
3: Now I spent half my childhood hoping to be a Power Ranger <laughs> yes. um, I played the yellow Power, power Ranger in the schoolyard because all the boys have picked the boy characters (laughs) Does this movie tell me how I can activate my Power Ranger powers and become a Power Ranger?
1: The whole plot hinges on the fact that the Power Rangers can't activate their powers, and they've got to work out how to do it. And interestingly, this is the highlight of the film. They discover that it's not just... Being there for each other but it's actually got to be sacrificial love the day that they all determine that they would be prepared to die for each other is the day that they all find their powers Mm. Um, and I thought it was really interesting like it's just a lay down as far as Christians are concerned because there is no greater love as Jesus said that one should lay down his life for his friends Mm. Uh, and this is an easy talk you know, from that point as far as parents are concerned so personally it's not the greatest film on earth but look if you're feeling a bit nostalgic or your kids are kind of interested take them and carry the conversation home to a hero who does lay down his life alright
3: the uh, the best movie of all time Power Rangers stars <laughs> Daphra Montgomery <laughs> David Scott RJ Siler Ludacris Lynn and Becky G it's rated M for Mature Themes and Science Fiction Violence and it opened last Thursday, so morph into a cinema near you. Now, coming up on The Big Picture, our special guest, Russ Matthews, recaps on being 100. Gee, you look young for 100. Oh, well, you Us. know.
2: That's why I make 100 million.
3: <laughs> and also, a new sci-fi horror film imagines what it
1: would be like to find life on Mars. Welcome back to The Big Picture's 100th show. And if you'll excuse me, I'm now going to continue eating cake. <laughs> All right,
3: while Mark Hadley eats <laughs> cake. The Big Picture's 100 shows haven't always been about Ben and Mark. No, there are other voices what? here. Yes, it's true. Uh, I think a few movies, TV shows and other cultural items have also been involved. So, too, has Russ Matthews, one of our regular commentators. Russ loves a slice of birthday cake, but he's going to put it down now and give us a special gift (laughs) of his thoughts on what he has learned during the past 100 shows. So,
0: Russ... Yes, what Ben. Are, what, let me start by asking you a big question. What are some of the big things you've found out about movies during the past 100 shows? Not just from the big picture, but from watching movies across this last period that's covered, that's these 100 shows have spanned. What have you learned? You
2: know, there's a couple things that i that kind con- one is kind of a, it, it may be kind of a negative to some, but, uh, and then also another one's kind of more of a positive spin. But one is, I would call this the death of 3D. What do you I, mean? I feel it like, um, you know, with Avatar, which is outside of that, the 100 episodes, but it's still, it kind of introduced the whole three era back to us and then also we had to pay more tickets and had to put on the glasses when we go into the theaters but really i think that over the last few years it's really diminished and devalued as far as it's not as important as it used to be i just want to say i called this <laughs> day, day one oh, really? it yeah, yeah, yeah. was yeah. not gonna work well it actually came it really came back it hit me full throttle and uh, no pun intended with the 3d but with um at the great Wall mm-hmm. and really, what I think 3D has unfortunately become is a way to hide the fact that it's a really bad movie by trying to <laughs> accentuate accentuate the special effects a little bit more. So that's right. probably one of the first things I have saw yep. over the last few years. Anything else? And then the other thing is, I, th- I think that actually there's been a lift in the quality of kids and family films and actually the de- demand for them. I was going through and looking at it over 2015. a Five out of the top fifteen. were if you but if you include Star Wars and Marvel, it'd be eight out of fifteen. Were kind of family family and kids films. So Top films at the box office, you mean? Yeah, top box. box worldwide. T- yeah, worldwide. And also, but then also, um, well, that would probably be more in the Western Western culture, I guess, uh, maybe more of kind of my analysis. Yes. But then also, uh, 2016, 7 out of the 15, but if you include Star Wars and Marvel, 10 out of the 15 were more family and kid friendly. And I think that the the, the need for and the desire to kind of have better quality family entertainment has actually really kind of pushed um, Hollywood and the like. The very fact that they actually skewed the Avengers as a franchise
1: towards family tells you that they actually think that this product, which might have just been a, a,
2: a smash-em-up in the past, is all about family. Exactly. Well, even even listening to um, director Chris McKay from the, the Lego Batman movie talking about the fact... This film is about family, you know, and you're kind of a Batman film, but yes, it was. And Russ, any theme or idea that's
0: really stood out to you across, just the, like the in the biggest scheme of things about God, the universe and all that kind of stuff, anything stood out to you in the past 100 shows? So.
2: Oh, I, I definitely think that one of the, the key themes, if you kind of look at like The Martian or Hunt for the Wilder People or Lion in particular, about the whole idea and the fascination with getting home and getting back mm-hmm. to who you are and seeking out and desiring to kind of see where where do I come come from, but also where am I going and the desire to be home. And, and I really think it's kind of In essence, what we really see in Christianity in the Bible is really getting back to God and really knowing where we're going in the future as far as a future homecoming, as it were. But also, why is it? And I think it's why we have this kind of internal need, spiritual need, to be continually looking for that. And we don't need to go to Google Earth, but we actually can go to the Bible and be able to look at and understand, know where we're going Mm -hmm. um, into the future. And you think recent movies have been pointing to that. Yeah, I think you're right. You're onto
1: something. Yeah, I think a whole idea of identity. basically it's just been so important in an age we are so confused about who we are yeah, we're all sort of about stories that will t- try and help us make that journey. Right? Yeah, yeah.
3: Russ, Definitely. you hold the uh, coveted title of uh, the guy who sees more movies than anyone else I know. <laughs> so over <laughs> oh, the last Sam. 100 shows, I've you've seen a lot of movies. So tell me, do you have a least favourite film? Well we'll start with that and also a favourite film
2: from those 100 shows. Oh, okay. Well, as far as if I go to my least favourite, to start with a negative, it probably be Me Before You. I think yeah. it was one of those films mm-hmm. that kind of sold itself as this kind of romantic um, drama, mm-hmm. but really ended up kind of being this film about uh, death and and really something that I, w- I really would not want to promote and I was really disappointed with that and felt like it was kind of a sucker punch if you were and then as far as going to the most the films that I love the most I probably would put Hacksaw Ridge at the top Hacksaw Ridge H- Hacksaw Ridge and Hunt for the Wilder People as two mm. of my favorites um, as far as looking at I was fans. just
1: looking for the big American franchise but you've actually just chosen two films that are kind of more on the Australian or at least the the Australian New Zealand side of things
0: yeah, oh,
2: yeah. well, I thought, I thought, well uh, done Russ oh well, thanks <laughs> thanks I think I think, well, I think well, thank, well, Um, No, but I I think that both in looking at the quality of the story, but then also what we were able to really gain from it. And I really look at it as being films that you'd want to watch more than once.
0: Thanks, Russ. Uh, Russ will be sticking around for the rest of the show because there is cake. Um, And we have have other things to discuss with Russ about these past 100 shows. You can also check out uh, Russ's reviews. As Sam said, he does review more films than anybody else on Earth. You go to (laughs) insights.uca.org.au. You can read all about Russ, and Insights has been a huge supporter of the show for, oh, the past 100 episodes. A big question for our
3: 100th show, lads. Does life exist somewhere other than Earth? Mm. Mm. What? <laughs> Stunned silence. <laughs> Put your cake down. All right. <laughs> According to new star studded sci-fi outing life, well, it does. But what happens when an international team makes first contact and what do they discover?
4: These creatures wiped out Mars millions of years ago. If we let it get to Earth...
2: We'll risk all human life. Let's kill the thing. Good night, moon.
3: Good night, room. Good night, cow jumping over the moon.
4: Good night, light and the red balloon. What is the primal instinct of any life form?
3: To survive.
0: So, Life is set on the International Space Station, which is revolving around Earth. I think the film says it's like 16 orbits per day. It's like whipping around the Earth up there. There's a as you'd expect, in an international space station, an international team, although it does have two Americans uh, as opposed to two from any other country, Russ. I'm not of sure <laughs> quite why America's overrepresented, but it's, maybe it's because they're Ryan pain. Reynolds and Jake Gyllenhaal are the two Americans and their they're big name actors the biggest name stars in this film. Um, the, a, a, a satellite comes back uh, from, from Mars uh, that has something that looks like a life form and and yes, it turns out to be that's not a huge spoiler of the plot. But then where life the film goes to from there, um, I, get, I can't I shouldn't reveal too much more, gentlemen. But please ask me because I would like to share my thoughts <laughs> um, on life. I, I gotta say
1: <laughs> I was I was really looking forward to this film, uh, you know, because to me it looked like a uh, kind of like a interesting take on the new the alien franchise. You know, be like okay, we're out in space, we're stuck in a spaceship, and
0: there's something bad here with us. Is it going to be good? Is it going to be good? <laughs> not so much. And and the fact you just mentioned Alien, one of the biggest sci-fi franchises of all time, um, is <laughs> a good a good selection because it, that the, for the most part, life feels basically like a ripoff of Alien, and not in that good way. Not in that way where like you've done something really different with it. Um, you spiced it up. You've been a bit tongue in cheek or anything like that. It's almost like the people behind this film and director Daniel Espinosa being the main one is. Like It was almost pretending that Alien doesn't exist or you'd never seen it before. you hope other people haven't seen it because <laughs> if you had seen that, you'd realise that life is so derivative of that. And then also knocks off everything from 2001 to Gravity as well. There's a lot of great camera techniques in this film and everyone's floating around and including the camera, which kind of looks cool, but it's not as, as engrossing and engaging as, say, a film like... I, that's how I found Gravity. And then it's not as tense and gripping as a film like Alien, largely because you've seen all of this before and then you get... Every Everything from really cheesy to silly plot links and dialogue. Like everything from this new life form for some reason being called Calvin. And then you get the lines in the script like we're running out of time. Or Why? what that was that wasn't stipulated in writing. Or that was supposed to be routine. Like all those kind of lines coming out of the mouths of Jake Gyllenhaal and Ryan Reynolds and the rest. It just leads to a lot of groans and increasingly Heads in that direction. It doesn't doesn't actually improve the okay. longer it
1: goes along. So do we come up with any new ways of dealing with alien life forms? What does uh, life say about good and bad guys?
0: No, nah, no, not so much. That's the other thing. It's like the, all the people on the space station had never watched a movie before and didn't know what happens when you encounter an alien life form. And like to their credit,
1: just to decide do you think that the NASA space program should have like a compulsory list of films
0: astronauts should see
1: before they go up? Yeah, you know, don't touch that. Yeah. (laughs) Starting with
0: Alien. Look, in the defense of uh, this Doctor character, uh, Miranda, that an an actress called Rebecca Ferguson, who's kind of on the rise and rise at the moment that she plays, she does point at some point early on that this isn't a controlled experiment. We don't actually know what's going to happen with this life form as people are prodding it and poking it (laughs) and talking to it gently and like we're going to be friends. And even though the music in the background is really ominous and you're just (laughs) counting down the minutes to when someone's going to get attacked... It would have been better if life hadn't gone in that direction. And again, I don't think I'm ex- I don't think I'm giving too much away by saying, oh no, it actually kind of turns the other way. So when a new life form is encountered in this film, it does do what most of these other movies do, which is suggest for a little while that it could work out all right, and, <laughs> and then and then humans just overestimate their ability to control what they don't know and what they don't understand, and it leads to silly and cheesy and ridiculous antics on a on space station, including someone floating around outside trying to fix it while the alien's on her. And instead of sacrificing herself to the greater good, she's still trying to get back in. But you've got the alien on you, and also you're dying in your suit. Why don't you just... Doesn't, what? Doesn't she know how hard Ripley worked to get the alien <laughs> <airport out? laughs> She should have watched Alien on the NASA film uh, space program. Yeah.
3: In a more serious uh, question for
0: you, uh, is life only interested in other forms of life that are out there? No, no, not so much. Like That's the big driving thing about when uh, humans encounter some other life form. But no, one of the more interesting things that happens early on, and I had some hope at this point about life of like where this might go. I thought it might be more of one of those philosophical space movies. Like, like 2001 or like, uh, was that Sunshine? that mm. was out maybe 10 years ago. Fantastic film about a, a mission going to, um, to basically refire up the sun, but it was like a suicide mission. It was a great, great, intense, intimate look at how people cope with that. I thought that might be where we we're going with this when there's a conversation between David, this character, Jake Gyllenhaal plays, and Miranda, who's Rebecca Ferguson, and they're they're talking about how down, how he doesn't want to be back on Earth because it's just a, a horror show, and basically the whole world is quote unquote Syria. It's just a war zone. People are terrible to each other. Where Rebecca Ferguson's character Miranda reminds him that actually, you no, know, life can be beautiful. There can be beauty that can be found among people. So you get this great kind of contrast going on at that point, and it basically just <coughs> dissolves into becoming more about how humans like every other life form in the universe, apparently, are just either bound on trying to survive or they're going to destroy them. They're trying to destroy what they don't understand or what they want to conquer in order to survive. So the film becomes basically a survival quest. I thought when we hit 100 shows here on the big picture, and one of the things that it was kind of fitting where we're talking about life, because one of the things we like to remind ourselves and everybody else about is how... Despite the evidence, we can constantly believe as humans that we know what's best and we are the best and we can like conquer and survive. And yet, constantly, we've got evidence to prove the opposite, right? Mm-hmm. And so we would like to suggest here at The Big Picture that when you look more into Jesus and the difference that He and God can make in our lives, then the like real hope for survival... Not just in this life, but in the future actually comes about. So let's say the most positive thing for me guys was a reminder out of life that after 100 shows you on the big picture of talking about where you can actually find hope for humanity, I kept, kept me thinking about that. Which is better than me thinking more about life.
4: Mm. Okay,
1: well, Life stars Jake Gyllenhaal, Ryan Reynolds, Rebecca Ferguson, and lots of wide open interstellar spaces. It opened at Down to Earth, uh, sorry, at a Down to Earth Cinema near you last Thursday, and is rated MA fifteen plus for strong violence, fiction themes, and violence. Mm -hmm. Who would have thought? There's
3: violence. Violence. Violence There's a bit of violence in it. Yeah. 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 All right. Coming up on the Big Picture, more amazing secrets and gifts from Big Picture past, and Mark will let us know whether everything is awesome. With the Lego Batman movie. Welcome back and happy birthday to us, the big picture. We've turned 100 today. Yeah, it's exciting news, isn't it? Well, for our 100th episode, we've been taking a little bit of a look back in between taking time out to talk about the newest movies around and eat cake. Uh, and one of the ways the big picture helps us all to look back and think more deeply about the treasure trove of movies and TV shows is the vault and the top five segments, my favourite part of the show. Uh, Russ Matthews, our big picture birthday mate who's here for the show, is going to stop rating the special popcorn maker for a bit and join the conversation about the benefits of looking back.
0: So stop eating popcorn, Russ, because I've got a big question to ask oh, you. A big question. Again, another big question. Okay. Just answer some before the break, but here's one for you. Before I get to the question, you're a man of many talents, us Not only have you helped us out in the big picture with reviews of new movies, but you're also a regular in our Vault segment, right. which is basically going back through movie and TV history and pulling out something
2: great, some gold out of there. Right. What do you like about doing The Vault? You know what, there's a couple key things I really love about it. One is just kind of reminisce. You kind of go back and look at some of your favorite films, those things you pull out that you, you think of. You know, when you think, oh man, if there's just something I just want to go back and enjoy, something of my past, I can be able to go back and reminisce a little bit. But also is looking at when you see some of the new films, you look at the influences, just like you were mentioning before on some of your other reviews, that you can go, well, but that really is reminiscent of this film, or they've taken from that film, they've done it better, or they haven't. And so to be able to go and share that then with like a whole new generation and be able to go well that's a good film but this was a great film mm. and so you're able to kind of point people back to some great films of the past and how they've influenced what we have now yeah yeah any vault highlights for you they're, they're probably the two key highlights that i that i really enjoyed is one is looking back at the m night Shyamalan film uh, unbreakable and then also probably a classic that we all enjoy still talking about and still watching numerous times is shawshank redemption Hey Ben, what do you think? I'm uh, digging back is obviously something both of us do in our spare time. We're not watching
1: things that have come out. What is the benefit for digging back for you?
0: Well, like um, Russ is alluding to when he's talking about the vault segment, which is a regular on our show, and also the top five. Like one of the reasons we like doing that is because there's not only new movies that are coming, or you know, you watch a trailer or you look at a release schedule and think, "Oh, great! Like Power Rangers Two is going to come out in like two years' time." <laughs> oh, <It's yeah>. not- <laughs> It's not just about that. When it comes to movies and TV, there is a gold mine of stuff just waiting to be mined, mm. like in from movies and TVs past. And they are chockers with like themes and ideas and messages and morals and characters of note. And you get everything from history lessons to social movements, emotions to moral conundrums. And if you want any of that, there is a movie or TV show that will re- represent that to you, and often we try to bring that to people here on the big picture through the top 5 of the vault.
3: Mark Hadley, question for you. Why is it so important to consider what movies and TV
1: are projecting to us? Why? I'm so glad you asked that question. <laughs> actually, uh, look, this is the thing about It's a based really good question. Uh, it's a great thing? question. No, no, we want to say because it's a gimme, because it's what we actually do and why we do it. That's why we're all about it. Because everything that's written, from my perspective, at least as a scriptwriter, is a story, and every story is based on a worldview. Everything you actually hear and you're entertained by uh, is coming from someone's perspective on how the world works and we figure that people should be aware of that and we feel it's important for you to understand the message behind the message and we also feel particularly that you actually can see the fragments of God behind his creation through all these stories so when we point out something good we're actually pointing out about something about God. <laughs> Toys
3: on the big screen. There's been many franchises that have made it to the cinema. I'm talking Transformers, G.I. Joe, even Battleship. I'd try to remember <laughs> the movie. I can't remember. It you really have to, think about it. <laughs> <laughs> Way but, to bring it down. But <laughs> perhaps <laughs> the most the most successful is the Lego franchise. Did you know that back in 2014, the Lego Movie returned a cool half a billion dollars at the box office. Half
0: a billion dollars. Which gave that's its producers cool. 250
3: million dollars, and that's not even counting the merchandise sold. It's a it's a it's a money making dream. Anyway, so were they going to do a sequel? Of course they were. And this Thursday sees the release of the Lego Batman movie, a click together adventure that sees the self-absorbed Kate's Cape Kate Crusader discover the value of cooperation.
1: Sir, you need to take responsibility for your life and it starts by raising the young orphan you adopted. Wee! I thought I was being sarcastic.
2: Hello, secret camera. We built this city. What? Oh, my gosh. Look, it's the Bat Sub. Don't touch that. It's the Bat Sapling. Don't touch that either. It's the Bat Kayak. No. Do I get a costume? I love it. But his pants are just a little tight. I got an idea. <laughs> better?
1: I can only look you in the eyes right now. <laughs> look, the Lego <laughs> Batman movie is going to be something for fun for the whole family. It's voice uh, Batman is voiced by Will Arnett. It opens with the film with an impressive defeat of every known bad guy ever. Every uh, single bad <laughs> guy. <laughs> it's, uh, it just them. shows some of them and ones you've never even heard of, like Calendar Man. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so he needed to be got. Calendar it's Man. <laughs> it's, and Batman does this all single handedly. Even has time for a rap about how good he is. Um, there's a nice little. Easter egg in there for people who go to the gym. He doesn't skip legs. That's how cool he is. Okay, Batman is absolutely clear. He doesn't need anyone's help, just his abs and his lobster Thermidor, you know, once a day. He won't even acknowledge that the Joker is his arch enemy, which basically leads to the Joker saying, okay, well, I'm going to make you notice me, and he journeys into the Phantom Zone to bring out a whole new range of of villains from other sort of films and storylines, including the Daleks and Voldemort. Okay, so they're all there, but this time Batman is going to have to conquer... If he's going to do it, he's going to have to do it in the company of others. And so that's
0: really the theme of the film. So you just said that this is going to be fun for the whole family, but aren't we just talking about a film that's really for fans of a toy franchise, on toys?
1: The, well, on the surface, it seems that way. And certainly I took my boys along and they were, they're were mad keen Lego fans and they were mad keen throughout the film. That might have been too much fizzy on my part giving them that. But, like, they had a great time during it, and I think anyone who has kids are into Lego will have that as a start. But more than that, for adults, there are just great jokes there to keep you awake and interested, and there are references to previous Incarnations of Batman, even the questionable Bat Shark repellent, you know, which is like a dating back to a 1960s film. There are fans of satire are gonna get kicks out of it for references to films that kids couldn't possibly have seen, like you know, The Matrix, Agent Smith makes an appearance, or even The Eye of Saren is a key character.
0: From Lord of the Rings. From the Lord of the Rings.
1: So there's a lot there for everyone in this film.
0: Okay. Now, is the whole point of this to point kids towards cooperation. I think I've heard that about this film, which reminds me a little bit of Sesame Street. You know, one of those cool songs that they sing on Sesame Street about cooperation? So is this just basically ripping off Sesame Street? and Sesame Street ideas and putting it into a Lego Batman movie. Now, it does seem pretty simplistic. It is all oh, is that about what I just cooperation? did to simplify it yeah, too No, much? no, it's,
1: it's true, though. It is, if you walk away from this film going, cooperation, then yes, that's what the film's all about. Is that how about. you
0: say cooperation in American, Russ? <laughs> yeah Cooperation. <laughs> yeah. I be yeah. pretty close there to
1: that. Okay, I'm so, proud of
0: my American accent. But I
1: don't want people to underestimate how significant this is because the, the guiding force behind film for the last 50 years has been individually ism. Okay, so the idea that in fact actually the individual has to attain to the highest point they can and the villains are those who get in the way of you being happy with you. Okay, so I mean this has been the big theme that we've been following through and Lego has been kicking along uh, and it's come up with in the Lego Batman movie. Actually, we've got to offset this whole individualism. It's about you subverting your own self for the sake of others and so that you can become a greater person in company with others. It's not a small lesson at all, even though it is for small kids is this
3: a bit of a stretch, this message for a kids' film? It is. <laughs> this is Lego. We're talking about a, a
1: film based on bricks that kids play yeah, with. Yeah,
0: stop ruining the fun of Lego. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
1: I wasn't the first person to do it. If you go back to the original, the Lego movie, you'll see that they actually take a swipe at parenting, okay, and they actually ask whether or not we've lost our creativity in following all the instructions in the
0: world. Wow, they're just right. taking a crack at, like, those who prop up the Lego company around the world parents. <laughs> like, wow, <laughs> way to have a go at your market. I, I know, but the interesting thing there
1: is that, they are really quite heavy if you remember the plot of the first film they're talking about us being not kowtowing too much to the man upstairs there's religious connotations right through the film well listen I like this one a lot more okay? Mm. because even though like there's lots more fun and look the the Lego franchise looks, looks like it's going to go from strength to strength this film is one I as a Christian can get much more behind it's tapping into a principle that we actually understand that we exist in community that we're stronger together than we are individually that personal goals and desires have to be set aside for the sake of a more important thing, the family. And that's what God designed us to be like. So in this case, I don't have to say to my kids, actually, the man upstairs is a good guy and you should be trusting him. Instead, I get to say, yeah, look, just learn what Batman learns.
0: (laughs) The Lego Batman movie stars Will Arnett, Michael Cera, Rosario Dawson and Ray Fiennes is rated PG for mild themes and animated violence and does open at a cinema somewhere near you this Thursday, March Well, coming up on this very special 100th
3: edition of The Big Picture, we're not the only ones celebrating a milestone. We'll let you know who else is after the break. Plus, we present to you a most wonderful parting gift as the finale to our 100th show, the Top 5 Top 5s. Can't wait for that.
1: Welcome back to our 100th show. I don't sound like a day over 65. (laughs) (laughs) No, you don't look it either.
3: Well, you know, it's not only our reason to celebrate today because we might be only 100 episodes down and going strong, but one of our major supporters, Bible Society Australia, actually turns 200 this year. That's 200 years. What? 200? That's Imagine right.
1: how many big picture shows we all have done. <laughs> that's right. Whoa. That's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> yeah.
3: This week, Bible Society CEO and social commentator Greg Clark wonders aloud for us what Australia would have been like if the Bible hadn't come along two centuries
4: ago. What if someday early in 1817, Elizabeth Macquarie, the devout wife of the swashbuckling governor, hadn't rolled over on her pillow and suggested that the colony needed Bibles right now? What if she hadn't done that? Maybe we wouldn't have seen the rapid rise of schools, places where children would be given the chance to flourish, boys and girls, and where the first task was to form them around the knowledge of God and we wouldn't have heard words spoken in churches week after week in sprawling New Holland, just about to be known as Australia, that it was right to respect the authorities who ruled over you, but it was also right that every man and every woman could be free in Christ. And what if the Christian missionaries hadn't headed inland, taking with them more a message than a weapon, to bring to life the idea that had been quietly sitting there in many mobs since the time of the dreaming that Jesus was the Good Shepherd? What if that hadn't happened? Then the statisticians today wouldn't be able to say that 73% of Indigenous Australians describe themselves as followers of the living word, Jesus Christ. And we wouldn't have seen the flying doctor, the good Presbyterian, Reverend Flynn, caring for remote Australians, airborne with his vision of Christ and the continent. And in fact, this one might be hard to believe, but we wouldn't have even seen an insurance industry like the great AMP founded on the concept of mutual providence, which springs from Galatians in the Bible. Nor would we have seen our great painter Arthur Boyd painting Adam and Eve, and we wouldn't have seen Arthur Stace chalking the pavements of Sydney and Melbourne with the word eternity after he heard it used in a sermon from the Bible. Without all of these Bible-influenced cultural phenomena, we wouldn't have our Australia. And I, along with my adult children... Wouldn't be so intrigued by the singer Nick Cave, who we heard in concert recently, calling out about an elusive kingdom, about forgiveness and revenge, and about his own wrestle with the Christ he says he's never met. And my young daughter wouldn't be asking me as she falls asleep at night, Dad, how do we know what God looks like? And I wouldn't be capable of answering, sweetheart, we find out by reading from this Bible here, and it tells us that he looks just like Jesus. In the year that the Bible Society celebrates its 200th birthday, Mrs. Macquarie and all of Australia's servants of the Word, we thank you.
1: Thanks, Greg, and a special thanks to the Bible Society Australia and its new service, Eternity, for getting behind the big picture since its very first episode. We'll save you a slice of cake.
3: Well, when you think about the highlights of the big picture over the last 100 episodes, now we've reached the pinnacle. Yes. (laughs) The pinnacle? The top five. This is Sam's favourite. It's my favourite part of every show. And so we thought it was only fitting that Mark and Ben trawl back through those 100 episodes and see which bits they like the best. So we're going to do the top five. Top
0: five. Yeah, and as Mark just mentioned to us off air, there's actually a hundred of them. We've done, <laughs> we've done one hundred top 5 yeah, so, so good at maths. So so it was a very quick calculation in my head. So one I thing this will this will prove is that right, we're good at maths, and the other thing is occasionally we did some all right stuff on the top fives. Five. Starting with Mark, your top five sports that movies convinced you to try. What, <laughs> no. what you listed off on this top five list is that you were encouraged to try skateboarding, surfing from Point Break, basketball. I think that was that was White Man Can't Jump, Karate, okay. Karate Kid, all with disastrous results. It's true. Which it was all awful. Caused me to laugh a lot. But the biggest laugh I got was when you told how you thought you could drive like Michael Kane Here's the clip. The first film that I really should not have paid attention to was The Italian Job,
1: the 1969 or the 2003. Oh, either you take way. take your pick, it okay. doesn't matter. <laughs> Any because one of those? It's basically more of a stand-in for all films that try and convince you that driving fast is cool and racy. But and it really looked cool. cool in those movies. Well, it looks cool right up until the point you take the car you've only owned for 15 minutes and go... <laughs> I could go through that S-Bin fairly quickly, even though it was only 40 kilometres an hour. Wait, you're a, you're a daredevil. I did. I blew two tyres and beat the frame.
0: <laughs>
4: all I did,
1: all I did, all I did was just, was just be in the moment for just one moment too long. <laughs> and, and as you were
0: going through the S-Bin at 40, were you... I was, I was you, going, Michael Caine, Michael Caine, Michael, Michael Caine. Michael in the, the original, original go- Italian job. That's what you had going through I your had head that at going 40 kilometres an hour. Until
1: I heard these two
2: almighty bangs.
0: And what did they... Did you take your car back after 15 minutes?
2: (laughs) Sorry, this one's broken. (laughs) That's just great. But what's funny is that actually Mark gave me a ride to the show. (laughs) And it it really hasn't changed too much since then. Four.
1: Okay, quid pro quo, Ben. Ben's top five movie competitions you never want to be a part of. I remember that, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. What scares Ben? Not death races, not dog shows, not even dance-offs. They're nothing compared to the
0: abject terror of being asked to spell the 2002 documentary Spellbound that was about the American Spelling Bee competition, the national Spelling Bee competition where really smart kids would get up on stage, they're given a word and they have to spell it and not like some of the words that you get on the the TV shows that have come as a result. These are really, really hard words, really, really big words. Spell anthropomorphism. Yeah, or even, even like words that you think you're going to be able to spell but you don't really know how to spell and so in Spellbound you get to see these kids stepping up on stage and answering these questions. I don't want to participate in that competition. Petition. Professionally, I'm, I'm a person who's been paid to write and to communicate for a long period of time, but I am terrified about <laughs> stepping up next to a nine-year-old who knows the dictionary inside their head and knows how to spell clavison correctly, which actually is spelled C-A-L. A-V-E-C-I-N. See, I can't, I'm i reading it out and I can't even <laughs> spell it. C-L-A-V-E-C-I-N. I would have got kicked out. And like the kid in Spellbound, Harry Altman, Harry Altman, who you can see his mind getting wrapped up into knots when he's trying to spell a word bands. He doesn't know how, how to spell bands. I don't know how to spell bands. It's spelled with a double N S.
1: As in the, the reading of the bands, like as in wedding bands. I,
0: I, is it? I don't know. <laughs> I, this is why I don't want to compete, Mark. This is why I don't want to do it. I still can't spell clavisade. <laughs> <laughs> Happy 100 to me. Oh, there you go. Mark's top five Boxing Day movie fiascos. one of the great things that we get to do here on the show when we do top fives is try, try to think up ideas that basically just uh, make us embarrassed on, on air and share humiliating stories from our past. One of those was Mark. <laughs> he talked about dragging his family to Les Miserables only to find out that they all hate that movie and forcing the kids to wear 3D glasses at a 2D screening. He did all that, but it got worse. <laughs> it, got, it did all those things, but it got worse when The Fellowship of the Ring hit the big screen.
1: Me and the rest of the world were just vibrating with excitement to get out and see this film. Anyone who'd read Tolkien was thinking this is going to be absolutely brilliant. Anyone who'd seen the little teaser trailers. So basically, we get into the cinema for the first instalment of Peter Jackson's epic trilogy based on Tolkien's even more epic Lord of the Rings and the theatre burns down. Now,
0: it's just (laughs) one of those... (laughs) For the record, I don't normally snigger when people's property burns down. But But your stories are amusing. (laughs) And I'm I'm amazed that you were at the cinema that burned down on well, Boxing Day the, watching Fellowship of the Ring. It was the, the 2001 uh,
1: bushfires. Like, it was epic. Sydney was in its own grip. People were kind of like, you know, what can you do? Oh, I don't know. It but
0: was, you weren't in a forest. Like, well, where no, were we you? weren't
1: in a forest. It wasn't an outdoor screening. But we were sitting there watching this. Uh, and, uh, look, if you know the plot of the film, basically it comes, the real epic moment is that they're just, Gandalf says to the, the Fellowship of the Ring, and now we must brave the night of Moria. And the cinema went out. The lights went out. And I've never seen 500 people sit there going, you know, even as they're saying, oh, look, there's a fire approaching the cinema. And sitting, People are sitting there going, well, you're going to get it back on?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: See, Mark, you're, your you're
1: life is a movie. Your life yeah, is like a movie. I know. The, it,
2: could be, it could not be scripted better than that. That's fantastic.
1: <laughs> Where's the sitcom about Mark Hadley coming?
2: <laughs> I want it. Two...
1: Okay, uh, well, one of my favourites coming in number two is Ben's top five amazing movie pets. Now, Hollywood has produced <laughs> some amazing pets, and Ben dug them all up for us. And quite literally, in fact, when he included the cat from Pet Sematary. <laughs> Yikes! Yep. But who could question his inclusion of that all Australian hero, Skippy the Bush Kangaroo?
0: Surely, at the mention of the name Skippy, it resurrects fantastic memories. I'm too young. To, what oh, Sam? What? Yeah, Skippy. Didn't. No, I think you're just un-Australian, Sam. Yeah. Well, well, how can you? How can you be like that? There were 91 shows. You of don't Skippy. love your country. Oh, <laughs> I can't believe this, Sam. And even the, I it, know that Skippy flies a helicopter. I'm. He he did a lot of things. And Mark's just doing the noise. Then. That's what I would have expected when you say Skippy. Someone to try to do the noise. You you remember things like Skippy doing everything from helping people get out of wells to what's to that fly, skip? What's that skip? <laughs> To flying helicopters to, I think he could probably blow on gum leaves. And he always, he had those famous scenes of like his paw reaching in and doing things, but that was like Into a, his pouch. Into his pouch. His pouch. <laughs> his <laughs> think pouch. about that, people who understand anything about the anatomy
1: of kangaroos.
0: So sure, there may have been some limitations when it came to uh, how how truthful Skippy was. I weep for the education of this country, gentlemen, when I hear that Sam Robinson. Doesn't even really register when the name Skippy turns up. What should happen, I think, is school children should be made to watch Skippy in I'm classrooms, not a child, to understand when you are at school. Yeah, uh, what happened right. to
3: your education? Oh, I was too busy watching Power Rangers. Yes,
0: I was.
4: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Always I'd get I just Another Power Rangers yeah, that's Ranger. Uh, that's so good. One. Oh, gentlemen, we come to the, the, the summit of the pinnacle, if that's even a thing, of, of the show of Top Fives, the the, the number one. The top of the summit of the pinnacle. The top <laughs> of the summit of the pinnacle. And it's fantastic that Russ Matthews is here to join us for this because what Mark and I have both selected as the number one out of all the top fives we've been able to do is that one that Russ was part of and Sam, the top five Star Wars characters who deserve oh, their no. own movie. R2D2 and C3PO are the only two characters to appear in all the seven Star Wars movies. Oh, that's interesting. So yeah. come on, man, those two guys should get their own movie. So we should have like a buddy droid movie, <laughs> oh, right? Like they they, they an, on an international road trip slash space trip around yeah. the galaxy. But what exactly would they be doing? They're given C3PO is that that kind of whiny programmed etiquette protocol droid who's got six million different communication styles mixed up with the feisty little astromech droid R2D2 who always needs subtitle for what he's saying because he just talks in blips right. that at least C3PO can understand so what would they?
2: What adventures would they get up to, gentlemen? I, I think it's an extension of the whole Lethal Weapon franchise. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of going down. So not know, where <laughs> I expected this to go, Russ. But, good um, cop, bad cop. Okay. You know, kind of the, the crazy R2D2 so, D2 kind of coming out as Mel Gibson. And, wow, yeah, So,
0: R2D2 is the bad cop in this scenario, <laughs> right? And C3PO uh, yeah. is the little kind of stuffy good cop. Uh, that's right, about, yeah. That's where uh, I'm international kind of going. International G- <laughs> cop movie. Sorry, R2D2 as Mel Gibson. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Starring R2-D2 as Mel Gibson. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hatsby, as I am
2: so honoured to be in this top five, top five. Oh, <laughs> like For an idea
0: like that, there's no wonder you went to number
1: one. No, mate, <laughs> Thanks very much for joining us show. Thanks, everybody, for the 100. And particularly thank you to all of you who have been listening and supporting us all the way along. We look forward to another 100.
3: Excellent. Well, coming up next week, we will be turning 101, so join us to find out what life is it
0: like after 100, and whether we actually get a letter from the Queen. Mm. Oh, I, I'm hoping that's going to show wow. up in the post. And despite the fact we are so old now, so much about next week will be Young, Young, Young. Yes, there'll definitely be The Boss Baby and Dance Academy and my top five high school moments I wish I had experienced. And when we turn 101, I will be Ben McKekin. <laughs> and I'll still be Mark Hadley.
2: The Big Picture is a Bible Society
0: Australia production. Sharing the light of God's Word into every corner of your world.